The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. Go ahead and take your Bibles out with me, and uh, ushers will distribute the study sheets today. And we'll uh, continue our study on the judgment of the saints. We've been, we've been um, studying for, for quite some time now on the Christian life, and we've been uh, looking at many different aspects. In the last couple of lessons, we started looking at the judgment of the saints, and this will be lesson number three today on the judgment of the saints. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, please. And let's begin at verse number 1, Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, uh, threatening, Knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have today. I pray you'd bless the teaching of your word. Uh, Lord, help us to better understand uh, our roles as um, believers in, in this life and to fulfill those purposes and most certainly to glorify you in all things. Thank you for this time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're talking today, um, point number three on your study sheets, how we discharge our authority. Uh, we will be judged by God. Now, remember, this judgment is not to determine heaven or hell. The judgment seat of Christ is for the purpose of rewards and our loss of rewards. So we stand in judgment, but not to determine our eternal state, but to determine the level of, of reward we receive from the Lord for the manner in which we conducted our life as believers. So this judgment seat of Christ is going to examine our lives. And, of course, we all know the Bible illustration that uh, the Bible says that our works will be tried as by fire and uh, all of our works will be passed through the fire. Those things which are done for ourselves, those things which are done in, in selfish reasons will be consumed as wood, hay, and stubble would be consumed in a fire. But those things that are done for the glory of Christ, those things that are done in the power of God, those things that are done for his righteousness will endure the test as, as gold and silver and precious jewels would endure a fire. So this judgment uh, that we will go through is to examine how we conducted ourselves in this Christian life. And we've looked at two already. We, we said that 
Jesus is going to judge how we control the old man, the flesh, our nature, how we control that after we have been saved. And last time we looked at how we will be examined as to how we treat the brethren, how we treat one another in our daily interactions and in our life. God is going to look at that. Remember, we read that we saw in the scripture that it's pleasing to God for brethren to dwell together in unity. We saw that Jesus commanded that we should love one another as he's loved us. So he's going to examine those things. And then, as we said today, he's going to look at how we use our authority, how we discharge our authority. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, we read, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they must give account. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Look at that with me. Go to Hebrews chapter 13 and look at that real quickly. Verse number 17. We read here that we are to obey those that have the authority over us, the rule over us, for they watch for our souls, and, and they, it says, must give account. Do you realize that Jesus is going to, in his examination of your pastor, he is going to ask for an accounting of how he ruled, or how he exercised his authority over you. Basically, he's going to give an account for you. Did you ever stop to think about that? That's, that's, not, that's, that's kind of uh, daunting, isn't it? You, you might say, well, I'll stand up there and give account for myself. You will, but your pastor will also. He's going to give an accounting for you. So, we need to understand all these different relationships we have and how God is going to look at them and how he's going to examine them. Now, when we talk about all these things, of course, we're talking about using the authority that, that God has, has given to us. Now, for me, understanding authority is not too difficult because I was raised by a military man. My father was a, was a drill sergeant. So... I was taught very quickly in life the levels of command. And I understood very clearly where my place in that list of command was. And so I learned at a very early age. Uh, as and, and let me tell you, in, at my age, I was not the exception. I was the rule. Children, when I, same age as me, people same age as me, the children were raised to respect authority. We, we learn how to respect authority. Well, today, that's kind of non-existent. Children don't respect authority anymore because they're their own authority. And so we've got a real mess in our country, and we've got to try to get it right. And we, we can't control what the world does, but we can control what the church does. Amen? So it's important that we as believers understand this, this, uh, this structure of authority and follow it correctly. Uh, now... Let me say that all of us to some degree are leaders. All of us to some degree have authority. You might be sitting here and say, well, I don't have any authority. Oh, but you do have authority. And, and let's, let's look at that. Christ has authority over all things. Uh, the pastor, he has authority over the church. The husband, 
and this isn't too popular anymore, but the husband has authority over the wife. Uh, the parents have authority over the family. The employer, now this is not a popular one anymore either, but the employer has authority over the employees. But the individual has authority over himself. You have authority over, if you have authority over no one else, you have authority over your own self. You are to govern and rule your own self. You're to govern and rule your own heart. So, we all have authority. Uh, now, what do we have to do to ensure that we handle authority correctly? Because we are going to be judged by this. God is going to look at how did we exercise and obey authority. So to answer that, I want us to consider all three aspects of authority that we deal with in our lives on a regular basis. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, time permitting. So authority number one is, and I'm going to use the, the phrase, captains. Authority number one is captains, or those above us. So first we, we, we look at those people who have authority over us. Uh, that's a consideration we must have. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now, this, of course, is speaking of our spiritual authority. Now, again, this comes relatively easy to me because of the way I was raised and my understanding as a young man of authority. Um, when I was in the military, um, one of the things the military, and of course Jeremy's in the military, so he can affir affirm this, in the military, when presidents change, your authority, your, your respect for authority has to change with it. Um, when I was uh, in the military, uh, Richard Nixon was president. And uh, Nixon was replaced by Agnew, and not Agnew, um, Ford. And then came Carter. Now, I'm not trying to make a political statement today, but I didn't like Carter very much. I wasn't a big fan of Carter. But you know what? I was in, I was in the military. Carter was now commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces. So guess what? My allegiance was now with him. Regardless of whether I liked him or not, he was president of the United States. And I needed to respect him as my leader as my authority. So, um, now when we, when we read Thessalonians, of course, we're talking about spiritual authority. We're talking about the pastor. And it is very important that we uh, know how to interact with those that God has placed over us. As I just stated concerning President Carter, at times, we may find ourselves under the authority of someone that we do not particularly agree with, and we might not even really like very much. Now this is certainly the case in 
on our jobs and, and you know, in, in, in government and things like that. We find ourselves under the authority of someone we don't like or someone maybe we don't agree with. Yet it is vital that we understand our role in this relationship and submit to the authority, regardless of who holds that authority. Uh, turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 24. There's a biblical lesson on this in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Let's all go there together. We're just going to look at one verse. And we're going to look at verse number 6. 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 6. Now this is David speaking in verse 6. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Now David's men wanted him to slay Saul. They were in a cave and, and Saul uh, went into that cave and David and his men were hiding in the shadows in the cave. And his men wanted him to strike out and they, they told him, God's delivered Saul into your hands, strike out and, and, and kill your enemy. And what was David's response? No, 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 that's God's anointed. That's God's man. And I will not harm him. I will not lift my hand again. Though he's trying to kill him. Though he's seeking him to destroy him, he would not, he would not put his hand against God's man. Now, David was not particularly fond of Saul. I mean, Saul had been trying to kill David for a very long time. And David was forced to leave his homeland and, and go into the lands of the Philistines to, to hide from the hand of Saul. David had been persecuted by Saul wrongly and falsely and he'd been, he'd been hunted by Saul and Saul, Saul had an agenda against David but yet David would not. He would not turn his hand against the authority of God's man. There's a lesson to be learned there. He submitted himself to the authority of King Saul. Now, this type of submission that we're talking about, you listen to me, is not based upon the character or the disposition of the person in authority. David's, David's position wasn't based on Saul. Saul was certainly in the wrong. Saul was, was, was wrong for seeking to harm David, but David, David's philosophy, David's adherence to this principle didn't matter how, what Saul was like. It matters what was right. You understand that? That's the lesson. The lesson concerning our relationship with those over us is we do what's right according to God's word, not based upon the character or lack of character of the person in authority. We do the right things. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't take it upon ourselves to, to violate the law because we don't like the president. We don't take it upon ourselves to, to violate biblical principle because maybe we don't like the pastor so much or we don't like one of the deacons. We, we submit to the authority completely, entirely, because it is what God expects us to do. And that's an important principle. 
It's based upon the position itself. Not the person sitting in the seat, but the position itself. Let's, let's now turn to Romans chapter 13. Let's go there. Romans chapter 13. And we'll begin at verse number 1. Romans chapter 13, verse number 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, let me stop there and pause for a moment. How many of you believe that all things happen according to the will of God? Okay. How many of you also believe people get the leaders they deserve? So if you don't like who's in office, guess what? Blame yourself. You don't like the mayor of the city, you don't like the governor of the state, you don't like the president of the United States, then blame yourself. Because God gives people what they deserve when it comes to governmental leadership. He puts people in authority that we, that we should have. So if we believe that God is in charge of all things, then guess what? Obama was God's choice, and he put him there. Now, not that it was a good choice for us, but maybe God has more knowledge than us and said, hey, you know what? You don't appreciate the freedoms you have. You don't appreciate the liberties that, that you've gotten. You don't appreciate my word. Then here. Sit under this guy for eight years and let's see how you like it. So let's remember that, okay? Verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Now look, I'm not a big fan of Obama. I really, I really am not. I didn't vote for him. But you know what? He's the president of the United States. I have a vote. And if he's trying to do things I don't like, I can vote against it. Problem is, so many people fail to understand the structure that those who, the, the minority is getting away with what they want to do because the majority won't step up and, and be heard. But that, I'm not preaching politics, so let's go on. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For um, he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So we see that our, our respect for authority is not based upon who's in the seat, but it's based upon the seat itself. It's based upon the, the, the position. And the leadership that we have in our church and, and in our government are, those th- are things that are ordained by who? God. Therefore, they're noble positions. They may be held by, by non-noble people, but they're noble positions, and therefore, we have to respect the position. Now, when the opportunity comes, we gather as a people, and we unseat the evil, and we, we put in someone else. Okay? But we respect the office. 
we respect the position, and that goes for the pastor it, itself. And far too few people, far too many people, lack respect for the pastor in the local church, and that angers God. And we will be judged for that. First Timothy chapter six, verses one and two states: Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine. Ooh, that's, that's, that hits home. And his doctrine, be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. That's right. Christ will examine what type of employee you were also. Ooh, that hits home. A lot of people who claim to be believers are not very good employees. And God is going to even examine how we behave on, our, on the job. Remember, your masters. Do you show up for work on time? Do you, do, do you respect your boss? When other employees start talking about your boss, do you chime in? Do you, do you participate in murmuring against your boss? Uh, do you work diligently at all times? Not, not only when the boss is there, but when he's not there as well? Hmm? Yeah, I, 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 used to, I used to own a construction company many, many moons ago. And uh, I'd leave the job site to go to the, to go to the lumber yard or something. When I'd come back, nothing had been done. Not one board had been moved. And I used to get on my employees, what do you do while I'm gone? You take a break? Every time I walk away, you take What about on your job? Hmm? And, and we can even carry that over to the church. What do we do when we're not at church? What do we do when, the, when we're not under the eye of the pastor or other, other Christians? How do we behave when no one sees us but ourselves? But always remember, God always sees. So we need to, we need to have respect for authority. Colossians chapter 3 Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye servants as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So we're to, all that we do uh, is, to, is to show respect and honor unto those above us, and we're to respect the authority that God has placed in our life. And, and that's not based on how they treat us or how they use or abuse their authority. You know what? You, may have a, you might have a bad boss. On the job, you may have a, a terrible boss. And maybe he's abusive and maybe he uses his employees and maybe he doesn't treat people with respect. But we are to respect and honor authority because God has commanded us to do so. Remember, if authority in our life is out of line, who is going to take care of that? If the authority in our, line, in our life is out of line, who takes care of that? God himself. That's right. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord sets all things right. By our submission to authority, we honor God and bring glory to his name. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1. Let as many servants as are under 
the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So first, today, we need to understand that God is going to examine how we submit to those in authority over us. It's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always, we may think, not the best thing for us to do, but it is always right to obey authority. And if you, if you agree to work on a job, then, then you need to submit to your boss. And you know what? If your boss is such a terrible taskmaster, find another job. Go find another job, but don't dishonor your boss. Uh, in the church, if those in authority over you, learn to submit to them. Um, if you feel like they don't have your best interest at heart, go talk to them. You, you go talk to them. Don't talk about them. Talk with them. And, and, and often, misunderstandings can be settled when two people talk about them privately. But we are to respect authority. Those that God has placed over us, we are to show respect. Now, authority number two that we have to consider <coughs> is this. Colleagues. First authority was captains, those above us. Second authority is colleagues, those equal to us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon writes, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. So we, we see Solomon in his wisdom tells us that it's, it, it's good for us to be colleagued with other people, to be aligned with other people, uh, uh, those that can help us when we need help, and we can help them when they need help. So we need to consider the idea of shared authority, uh, two people being equal in authority. Each of us, as members of this church, share the responsibilities and authorities of the same. Pastor often says he has one vote. He doesn't, he doesn't have 50 votes, and the rest of us have to share 50. He has one vote. Now, he is in the office of the pastorate, which means, ultimately, he has the authority, right? But he is also a member of the church, and as a member of the church, he is equal with all of us, in our authority and responsibility. So, each of us share in this authority. Now, some desire to raise themselves above everyone else, and in doing this, they bring a reproach to themselves and to the church. You see, they bring a reproach to themselves because everybody else in the church looks at him and says, well, you know, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to run us all. And then they bring a reproach to the church because when the community sees that we as a church are, 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 are in dissension, then, it, it, then it, it, it brings a poor reputation to the name of Christ. Now, again, I was raised in a generation where I believe this is important. In other words, I believe the family is important. And as a family... In my family, we all work together to, to um, bring honor to our name. 
And that, that carries out into the community. My, my father was a very respectable man. Um, everybody, I, I grew up in a very small community. Everybody knew everybody else. As a matter of fact, almost everybody was related to everybody else in some way or another. It was a, little, it was a small fishing community, uh, and all of these people had come off the lake at the same time and established homes on, on dry ground, and, and a lot of them were families. They were related in some way or another. So, but everybody knew each other. And my father was very well known and very well respected. Just like my heavenly father, by the way, is very well known, very well respected, right? And if one of our, if one of my father's children, myself or my brother or one of my two sisters, went out and did something wrong, people in the community gasped. <gasps> you mean to tell me an Abshire did that? And, um, the wrath of my father was something I feared more than the wrath of the law. So, I behaved myself because I didn't want to bring the wrath of my father upon me and I didn't want to bring a reproach to his name. And as God's people in the church, we should feel that same way about our Heavenly Father. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are colleagues in this, in this church, in, in a manner of speaking, and we share authority. And so we, we are equal in responsibility. Now, that's not a popular phrase in this generation, is it? Equal, equal, give me equality, which really means I want to be above everyone else. But they don't want to share in responsibility. They don't want to share in the consequences. They don't want to share in, in the expectations. But we are too. We, are to, we, are, we need to understand that we share responsibility and when we uh, seek to rise above everyone else, we bring a reproach to the, to the church and to ourselves. Far too many are not content with being on an equal plane with everyone else. Um, we, we need to just understand that we all, we're all brothers and sisters. We're like, we're like a family. And like a family, we're not always going to get along, right? I mean, I can attest to my sisters and I not getting along. At least one of my sisters and I. My other sister was wonderful. She was always kind and sweet to me. The other one, um, she gave me a black eye one day. I broke her tooth one day. And, I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad. But, and we grew up to be adults, and we don't knock each other's eyes or teeth anymore, but you know what I'm saying. We must remember that we have a God and that he has authority over all things. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, we, re we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. God is in authority, not me, not you. God is in authority and he's commanded us that we should that we should love one another and that we should interact together in peace and harmony. And that's what we're to do. Now, seeing that we share authority with each other, uh, what should be our attitude toward each other? Real quickly, three things. First of all, pray for one another. Pray for one another. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is hard to be at odds with someone when you earnestly pray for them. 
Secondly, we're to promote one another. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. A stranger, and not thine own lips. Uh, We should praise one another. Find opportunities to say nice things about each other. Now, if I mean, everybody could say something bad about everybody else. None of us are perfect, so we all have things that are, are, not, are not the best. So someone could always criticize you, but we should never do that. Just, just talk good about, about one another. If somebody comes up to you and says something bad about someone else, change the subject. Just don't, don't continue the conversation. Just change the subject. I've always told people this. If, if you need a ride and I'm giving you a ride and you start bad-mouthing the pastor or one of the people in the church, somebody's getting out of the car. And guess what? It's my car, so I'm not the one getting out. Now, you don't want me to drop you off in the middle of the desert somewhere. Then you get in my car, you better, you better say nice things about God's Because we don't need to be criticizing one another. That's the devil's job. And I'm not going to participate in it. And I, I don't want to even hear it because I can't do anything about it anyway. The only thing I can do by listening to criticism about you is develop a bad attitude about you. That's the only thing I can do. So I don't want to hear it. Just, you know what? Don't talk about it. You want to criticize something? Criticize yourself. Tell me something about you that you don't like. And we'll talk about that. So promote one another. Look for opportunities to brag about your fellow Christians. And thirdly, protect one another. Protect one another. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Do not be guilty of slandering your brother or sister in Christ, and do not allow anyone to do so in your presence. We're to respect those above us. Uh, we're to respect those equal to us. Then, thirdly, and I quickly describe, authority number three are the charges. Charges, those dependent upon us. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Charges. The employer is responsible for the care of his employees. The teacher is responsible for the care of the students. The pastor is responsible for the care of of the church. The parents are responsible for the care of their children. And in each of these relationships, God expects us to do that which is just and fair and equal. Now, in closing, what can we do to encourage those that are under our authority? First of all, be an example. I'm a firm believer in leading by example. I think it's easier to get people to do to, to work with you than to work for you. Over the years, if, if I've been charged with a task, I've, in, I've recruited people to help, but I've never, I, I, don't, I don't hand out orders and then go home and watch the football game. I'm right there with. I, I believe in, in being an example, in leading, and that's what we ought to do. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. The philosophy of the world is, don't do as I do, do as I say. But to the child of God, it should be, do as I 
as I do as the Lord commands. So be an example. You can, you can never expect those who follow you to be any more spiritual than you are. Then remove obstacles. Be an example and re- then remove obstacles. Romans 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. As, as, as authority, as, as a parent, as a teacher, as, a, as an employer, whatever it may be, um, if you see a problem ahead, it is your responsibility to remove this problem from the path of those that you lead. Don't just stand by and watch one of your students fail. Don't just stand by and, and watch your children do something wrong. Get out in front of them and warn them and, and, and remove those obstacles. And, and be a leader to them. And then lastly, offer exhortation. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Instead of an insult, offer encouragement. Instead of animosity, offer advice. Instead of rejection, offer reassurance. Listen, we need to exhort those under us. We need to exhort our children. We need to exhort, if you're, a, if you're an employer, you need to exhort your employees. You need to encourage them. Offer a word of encouragement. Offer advice on how they could maybe, maybe do better. Offer reassurance that you're behind them and, and you're going to help them get through it. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And you know, when you make a mistake, you know in your heart, now listen to me, when you make a mistake, you know in your heart you've disappointed those that are over you. As a child, when you mess up, you know you've disappointed your parents. But you know, I knew growing up that if I disappointed my dad, I could go to him and he, he, he wouldn't be happy. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't pack my bags and throw me out the house. He wouldn't sneer at me and say hurtful things to me. I knew that he would always encourage me. That he would always offer advice on what to do next time. And that he would always reassure me that he loved me. And that he would forgive me for my mistake and we would go forward. Now he never removed the consequences. I had a student years ago who messed up and I called him into my office and, and his mother was there. And I told him, I said, look, you made a mistake. We all do. And I, I, I want you to know right now, I still love you and I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to help you and still do things for you. But there's a consequence for what you did and you're going to have to face that consequence. You're going to have to pay for your mistake. But I love you and I'll be there when I'll be there with you through it and after it. And folks, that's that's what we need to that's the attitude we need to have. You're raising children and they're going to make mistakes. No doubt about it. How are you going to handle their mistake? Are you going to handle it in such a way that they're crushed for life? Or are you gonna are you gonna dust them off and pick them up? Consider this how many times have you made a mistake and God still 
is there with you. Hmm? Think about that. If, if every time I'm, if, if when I made my first mistake, if God would have, get lost. I wouldn't have been saved very long. And neither, neither would you. So let us remember that. All right, folks. How we exercise and obey authority. Very important. And we need to get it right scripturally. All right. Thanks for being here today, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.